Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. We are going to finish up our exceedingly abundantly series. Have y'all enjoyed that? Hopefully you have grown and learned great. Five people, wonderful. Come on, come on, listen. I understand. You're going to clap a lot tonight. You're going to be excited. Listen, um, we only need a few willing listeners. You know, the Bible teaches us that the eyes of the Lord are looking. It says looking for one heart that is fully committed to him. One heart. That, that he's up in heaven and his eye is looking for that, that heart that will say, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do the hard thing. I'll go through it for, for someone else. You know, um, we are in this exceedingly abundant series, and, um, and I really believe that my hope is that you would go back and listen to it time and time and time again. Um, you know, guys, it might be a little cold in here, um, but, but I, I will say this, that, um, you know, when I listen to a sermon, I don't just listen to it one time. I, I want you all to know that like as far as me and, and, and you know, we're a talk back church. You know, so, so you, 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 you can talk. You, let's just warm it up. Just that's good. Good. Amen. Hallelujah. Whatever. Okay. And so I just want you to know that, listen, you, there is no way that you can listen to one sermon and get it. I don't, I don't, I'm not listening to preaching. I'm receiving the word. So receiving the word means that I get it in me until I see it start practicing in me, okay? So if I hear a sermon that I feel like is really speaking to me, like God's using that, then I will play that in my truck for like a month or two months because I want to begin to, when, when, when I begin to drift in my thoughts or I begin to doubt or I begin to be frustrated, then I, I, I don't give up that principle until I practice it. And so I would, I would just encourage you uh, because there is this notion that thinks that transformation happens because I go to services. That's not what happens. Transformation doesn't happen because you go to church. The opportunity of transformation happens when you go to a church. So you can actually come like 48 times out of the year, but only grow just a little bit. Because you have to take it and you have to practice it and you have to implement it into your life. Come on, does that make sense? For us, this is our Heart for the House season. And we are in this Heart for the House. I think they're going to go ahead and put that up there. Um, but, but we're in this Heart for the House moment. And, and I just want you to know as we start out talking here that the Heart for the House is an offering that we do um, at the end of every year. And it is an offering. So we have tithe, and we taught on that a couple weeks ago. We're not going to go back into that. But then offering is those times when the Bible teaches us that we go over and above. And the, 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 the Bible actually says, just say this when people are giving an offering. The Lord has need of it. That's it. And so we don't put a lot of pressure on people because we believe that God will speak to people, and we want you to ask God. Now, if you won't ask God, that's a sign of rebellion in your own heart. And so that's not anything we can mess with. 
But, but if you ask God, then God will begin to move on you. Come on. And then he will begin, because here's the deal. Your giving unlocks the next season of your life that you don't even know you're about to walk into. If you knew if I did this, this would happen, then logically we would all do this. But by faith means I do this by faith, not knowing that this is available, but believing that God has it. That's why it's so hard to give an exceedingly abundant offering because we're not sure if God will meet us to the level of our investment. But he will. He will. And there's enough people in this service and the services that we have that have experienced that. And so here's the deal. Sure, it, it sounds self-serving, but with the culture of, of how people travel in churches, I realize that not everyone will be here more than three or four years because that's just how, unless God plants you. Does that make sense? And so I, this concept is more for your life than it is for our benefit. You sow where you want to go. Come on. You sow where you want to go. And so we, we have been showing everybody this um, campaign um, diagram, this uh, pledge thing. And I, want, I think they're going to put it up there real quick. Will you put that up there? Um, and so one of the things that we're doing for Heart for the House, because people are like, okay, what are we doing with the money? And, and so we gave commitment cards a couple weeks ago, and that was for next year over the tithe. We're committing to give next year. And the reason that we're doing that is because we are in a building campaign. We're in a building. We're building over there on Olive Street. And we have $1.4 million that has, we're already investing into the property, okay? And then when we got every, all the bids back, it was about $450,000 more than the one point four. So we had, I think it was like $170,000 come in for commitments for next year. Come on, put your hands together. That's good. That's good. That's good. And we know that people have been traveling and that people are still going to put in their commitments and, and do. So we have until the end of the year to get that finished. We're believing that it'll be around $200,000 in commitments. And then this right here is our offering before the end of the year, I don't know if you went by the building, but metal's going up. Things are starting to happen over there. And we really wanted to start the year being able to, to be on top of our funding. Does that make sense? And so we're not just buying a place. We're really buying a place for ministry for people who are going to unlock whole other purposes in their life. And so when you give today at the end of service, we, it's not under compulsion. You do what you want to do, wrong thing. Don't do what you want to do. Do what God tells you to do. Do what God tells you to do. And if, if you do that, listen, it'll be enough. It'll be enough because God's going to touch it. He's in it. Come on, does that make sense? I want to pray and then I want to jump right into what we're going to talk about. Um, I, I got... A word, and, and, and for those of you in the band, you go, everybody just look at the band real quick. Um, we, we love y'all. And, 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 and here's the thing, is they're here, like this is the third service, they're, they're here three times. And so they, they've heard it all. Um, but, but I just believe 
that I had an old pastor uh, tell me one time, because I was in a bunch of services, and it was about a year, and uh, he just stopped by me, passed by me, and he said, uh, wow. And I was like, yeah. He was like, no, wow. I was like, what? He was like, you're getting a lot of this. God must really have something for you to do. He said, because when God gives more, it's, it's never because I just scheduled to have more. It's because God aligned it for you to receive more. And I would just tell you that in your third opportunity to hear the same message, man, I just want to encourage you, don't sit through it and play it and be a part of it, but not receive it. Does that make sense? Like, like for those of you on media and ever, like, like, don't be in it, help and produce it, and not grow in it. Because the truth of the matter is, I think that you have the opportunity to begin to take this uh, and see what's going to happen in the next 30 or 40 years. You don't even know. Come on, y'all give them another big hand. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's jump into this. Lord, we need a word from you. We don't want to be a prideful church. We want to be a willing bride. Search us, O oh Lord. Adjust our priorities to seek you, to know you, and, to, uh, and that you would al be allowed to lead, lead our life. Help us pass the test so that we can transition in all the things that you have for us. Father, we praise you because you are good, not because you give good things. We honor you in this place. In Jesus' name. Come on. Everybody said, amen. Listen, I, I know that they're, they're, there's a, we're a little sporadic today, but I, I want you to just, come on, look across the room and tell someone you can make it. No, no, no. We're going to do it again. Come on. Come on. I know it's weird. I know it's weird. But you can even throw this thing across the sanctuary. Come on. Just look at someone real quick and say, you can make it. You can make it. Go and turn me up just a little bit. Listen, as we're closing out this series, we live in a troubling time. We do. We, we live in a time where it, it's troubling because there are worldly philosophies that are entering the church causing division in the body of Christ. I know you're working. Yeah, listen, get, give my man a big hand back there. Listen. Do I need to switch mics? Okay, I will. All right. All right. All right. You keep working. All right. And so I think that because our body is, is, does not chase spiritual depth, you know what I'm we like it easy. Come on, listen. We, we like easy church where we only want to laugh a lot. We want to get the concept. We don't want to dig out any deep spiritual truth. But here is what the problem is. As a culture, our church is rejecting the idea of surrender. We just want a God that says, give me, but we don't. I sound like Mufasa. <laughs> Simba. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, uh, James Earl Jones. 
And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Listen, is we're rejecting this idea of surrender, and there is no growth without surrender. You can't have it. Okay, and so as we look at this, when we actually create a gospel that the saints won't surrender, then we have soft saints. We have weak faith. We have weak results. God cares about the condition of our faith, and in order for our faith to remain strong, it's going to have to be tested. Tested. I hate being tested. Do y'all like being tested? Come on. Like my, my kids are growing up, and, and I got a, like a, almost a 17-year-old in the house, and he tries to <laughs> test me. And I'm like, let me tell you, bro, you know what I'm saying? I know I'm carrying a little bit more right here, but don't let this fool you. I'm still froggy. I will jump. I mean, listen, come on. The idea is that we really don't like being tested. Think about all the car manufacturers like, like GM or, or Ford. They, they go through, they take their vehicles through extensive tests. Why? Well, they, they want to determine the strength of the vehicle. They also want to determine the weakness of the vehicle. And they want to prepare this vehicle for public use. Does that make sense? They want to make sure that the car is continually improving so that it has better results out. This is why God moves us through tests. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19. Go ahead. We're going to look at this right here. By faith, Abraham was tested, tested when he offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Here's all this is saying. Leave that up there for a second. Is that God tested Abraham and said, Yo, will you give me the most precious thing in your life? If we are not careful, church, we will wrap Jesus... In this multi-level marketing, he wants to do something great for you. He's much like Santa. He sees you when you're sleeping, and he has wonderful gifts for you. Won't you let him in your heart? And you're like, yeah, sure. I mean, why not? If he's going to be all right. Come on in, big boy. Get you some. And I'm not denying that he is a good father and that he has good things for his children. But if we think that God is not going to ask us to lay stuff down, make hard choices, begin to leave some things that distract us, then we miss the portion of the gospel. And here's the deal. It's an actual, it's a pseudo gospel that we believe in and there's no active power because the power is in the test and the overcoming of the test. That's the thing that makes us stronger. Come on. For all of us, by faith, Abraham offered Isaac. It was a test. And this story 
communicates how hard it was for Abram to have his only son willing to be sacrificed. But God shows us the reward for Abraham. Let me ask you this question. What reward is waiting for you if you will obey? What reward is waiting for you if you are willing, listen, to surrender? To surrender. My assignment tonight, for those online, for those here, is it's just a test. Come on, say it. It's just a test. It's just a test. But there are so many things that test us all the time. Think about when you walk through the store and you want to judge someone. It's just a test. Think about when you're at work and you're like, great, they restocked the toilet paper. I'm taking a few home. It's just a test. Think about, come on. We have a society that if we're not careful, we treat morality, right and wrong, as if that's only for certain people. But God is constantly putting us in situations to begin to test us so that we will come on, begin to move forward and develop our character internally, which then puts the trust in God that whatever I need, he will provide it. I don't have to go do it for myself. I'm not worried about getting caught. I meet so many young people that their biggest issue is, I don't want to get caught. You already were. God's not like, dang it, I didn't say it. God sees you on the toilet. God sees, God knows. Manipulation only works if you believe the other person doesn't know. But the Bible says that whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And they may not find out now, but they will find out later because your character feeds on the decisions you make. And ultimately, you will plant stuff that grows up and we will all see it. Come on. I'm feeling feisty tonight. I'm glad y'all are here. Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to run through this real quick. After these things, God tested Abraham and said, Abram, he said, here I am. Take your son, your only son, offer him up. Verse 3, and Abraham arose early. God, can you just think about this? And I know we're about to read a text that's very hard to swallow if you're a parent. Because you're like, oh, oh, that's all weird. Okay? The story is God asking for the promised son. But I, I need to tell you, for those of you who read this story and you're very disturbed by it, that there are a few Old Testament stories that have a prophetic glance, okay? And so, Abraham, if you go back one chapter, chapter 21, we don't have time for that, but Abimelech, the king, came up and saw Sarai. And said, dang girl, you, you all that. Which she was 86. So I just, just she was 86. And she, she 
she would fly at 86. I don't know. The king was like, dang girl. So some of y'all just like, it don't matter. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> but and I don't, that's a distraction. Uh, but the king demanded that Sarah be his wife. And Abraham played the brother card again. It was a real deal if you didn't learn the last time. And so anyway, uh, in the bedroom, Abimelech is there, and an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, if you don't let this girl go, I'm going to destroy y'all. I didn't know. And, he, and he, he says, this is Abraham, my prophet. See, there were a few prophets in the Old Testament, and whenever prophets were involved, they gave a a spiritual example, which, which was a type and shadow for things in the future. Like Hosea, God wanted him to go marry a prostitute. Now, we're not training all of our young men to go out and marry prostitutes. Hang on, let's, let's revival. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, okay, it was a type and shadow, and God wanted to communicate to his church, even though y'all act crazy, I still want you. Okay, you got that? There was another prophet that had to lay on his side for like a year. God, God had a, a, a message. And so here is the, there is a message in this that is a prophetic message that fulfills the Old Testament. And so you need to know that or you're going to be some crazy person on CNN talking about God told me and God didn't tell you. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you, you better get that. Okay. All right. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw a place far off. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. And I and the boy are going to go over to worship. Abraham had such a relationship with God that when God began to ask him to sacrifice, he knew it could be worship. When God is asking you to do the hard thing, what do you consider it? Do you consider it as a moment to give him praise and worship? Or do you consider, God, I don't know why. I'm the best Christian I know. I mean, I go to church like 48 times out of the year. I'm a tither. I know people who don't even give. Come on. Abraham so knew God that he knew if God is asking me for such a great thing, then he thinks I'm available to give such a great thing. And that means that after this great thing that I give, there will be something even. Come on, hear me. Also, I want to say this. If you're going through a moment of testing, there will be moments when you will do it by yourself. These two boys didn't go and didn't observe. And I will tell you this, that when you're going through your hard season, not everybody needs to know. Don't put all that on Facebook. Hear what I'm saying? I'm not talking about there aren't moments for you to begin to clarify or, or blog or write or share your testimony. That's not what I'm saying. But if Abraham would have taken these two young men with him, they would have misinterpreted the moment. Leo, fool, <laughs> you crazy. We run, Izzy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like it would have been a messed up deal. That's why you don't want to go sometimes to all your friends and say, I believe God is telling me this. Because they'll be like, no, don't do it. No, 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 no. I believe that God is asking me to go through a season where I fast this. Or I believe that God is asking me to go to a season where I step away from this. Why? Be careful who you bring into your testing moment. 
And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. Actually, I want to go back up to six. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on his son, Isaac. And he took the, in his hand the fire and the knife. And they both went up together. And Isaac said to Abraham, my father? <laughs> That's kind of cool. Uh, it's kind of proper. And he said, here I am, son. Uh, behold, um, yo, I see the fire. I see the wood. Uh, where's the lamb? <laughs> Abraham said, God will provide a lamb. For the burnt offering, my son. So they both went up together. They came to the place which God had told them. Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. Can I tell you, when you come into worshiping the Lord, you don't start with what you want first. You build an altar to him. You begin to move your focus toward the, how great he is. You, there is an order to asking God. There's an order to movement of God. Does that make sense? And so many times we just want to rush in and blah, blah, blah. But Abraham knew what he was going. He built the altar, placed the wood, and the conversation began. And Abraham reached his hand out, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy. For now I know you fear God. Seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there was a ram caught in the thicket. At the first glance, this story seems overly extreme. Yet, we will fully understand the implication and the story here as we go through. When we investigate the text, we see that Abraham's faith has to stand trial. I remember when I was younger, they would interrupt your TV shows with a with the emergency broadcast system, and it would and lines would be all in the TV, and it would interrupt your TV show, and it would say, "This is just a." And it always happened on the best show. And why did they give you the warning? Because they wanted you to know that this is just a test. We're going to get back. This interruption that you're experiencing is not going to last long. We're just checking things. We can conclude that the exceedingly abundantly happens when we pass the test. In fact, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 19 says this. Beloved, do not be surprised at the, what? Come on, fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Like when you're in the middle of a test, don't be like, what's going on? In other words, that's not the right time to go, God, if you loved me, I wouldn't have a flat tire. God, if you loved me, this bad thing rough thing, hard thing, come on. What it is saying is when it comes upon you as though it's something strange that is happening to you. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is happening. But rejoice so far as you share in Christ's suffering that you may rejoice and be glad when you see his glory revealed. In other words, you may be going through a test right now. 
But there is the other side where you begin to see why you went through it and what God was going to do in it. And you're going to rejoice at who you become after the trial is passed. Come on, does this make sense? There is a huge difference between a temptation and a test. Satan brings a temptation. God brings a test. A temptation starts on the inside and moves outward. Listen to this. The Bible says that we're tempted and enticed by the lust that is within us. In other words, it starts in us and then it affects the people outside. A test starts on the outward and moves inward. This pressure is now being affecting and it, it's coming toward me. And now it's really, it, 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 it's hitting some of these triggers of fear and doubt and pain and rejection and, 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 and loss. A temptation brings compromise. A test brings clarity. A temptation entices us to sin. A test approves us for victory. A temptation leads us to immaturity. A test builds maturity. Uh, temptation works to weaken our faith. A test works to strengthen our faith. There's a huge difference between a temptation and a test. And James tells us that God will never tempt you. Why would God never tempt you? Because he knows you and he knows that what will trigger you and God will never trigger you to act based on sin. But God will test you. There was a man who was on, on trial, he committed, he was uh, on trial for really committing a crime that he did not do. Upon entering the court before the proceeding of the trial, the defendant was nervous. His lawyer could see the sweat on his brow, he was pacing, he showed all the signs of being extremely nervous. The lawyer goes up and says, man, are you, are you okay? He's pale. He said, man, I, I just tell you, I've never been to court before. I've never been in front of a judge. I've never even gotten a speeding ticket. And now my freedom hangs in the balance. The lawyer looks at him and validates his concerns and says, man, I, I totally get it. This is my first trial before court. And don't tell the judge because I really didn't pass my bar test. Here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody representing me that hasn't passed the test. Come on, somebody. And I believe that God is saying, yo, listen, I need you to pass the test because you're walking out with your what would Jesus do bracelet. You're representing me and you don't even really know me. Come on. You're rehearsing a line you heard from the preacher, but you haven't produced that line in your own. Come on, help me. Today, I want to give you three reasons why we should all pass the test. All pass the test. And I would submit to you today that great testimonies come from people who pass the test. Passing the test shows that you trust and you are continuing in transformation. We must remember that a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Come on, hear me. 
Here's what this means. Leave that up there for a second. There's a lot of people that get excited and turned on to the Lord, and we love that, and we need that passion in the church, because if not, we get grumpy. We get quiet. <laughs> yeah, God's good. and You don't even smile anymore. I mean, think about it. Like, people are also serious in church, and I got it. I mean, God's a serious deal. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But the Bible, like, people have forgot the joy of the Lord is your strength, and you ain't, you ain't showing no joy. Come on, we need to see some teeth every now and then. <laughs> this is serious business. Heaven and hell, serious. It is serious. It is serious. But, wow. Come on. A little lightness, a little happy, a little glad you're here. Little, you can wel be welcomed in, be our guest. Here's the thing. For us, you will be tested no matter how young or old you are. It doesn't matter if you're white, you're black, you're brown. It doesn't matter how much you make. It doesn't matter what position you hold. You will be tested. And so I want to give you three reasons why we should all pass the test. The first one is this. Every test we pass communicates a greater level of faithfulness. Do you think that God says, well done, good and faithful servant to people who show up to church? Just be honest. I think that there, the blood covers us regardless of what we do, and we're, it's not a workspace gospel. But I do believe that for heaven to talk about, there are places for those that have continued to take the steps that God has authored. And I believe there's getting in, and then there is the rewards that come through faithfulness. Come on, hear what I'm saying. And I'm just telling you that as we start out this passage in Genesis 22, it says, after these things, after these things. It's like, I don't know, when you read like the first, the, the 10 chapters of Genesis, aren't you like, I think Abe's done enough. Like he left his home. He did, like he did a lot. Like I was thinking about all the things that he did. He leaving, trusting, fighting, struggling, waiting, working, failing, laughing, breathing, removing, claiming his territory, and then God tested him. You're like, I'm a hundred. Am I landing this plane? Am I out of the test zone? Have, have I done enough? Come on. Come on. Any hundred-year-olds in the room? No. Okay. You're still being tested, baby. If Abraham is tested at 100, your little 79 ain't nothing. You're being tested. Come on, hear me. As long as you're a believer, this shows us that there will be a next step for you. And that isn't to overwhelm you, it's to prepare you. Abraham had made so many moves of obedience, and yet it finally got to the place where God was going to test him, and here's why. God was waiting for Abraham to have his established promise because I believe here's what he wanted to know. God was waiting to know, are you using me because I'm making you? Are you following me because you're my servant? Like, are you, are you following me because I'm bringing you angels? I'm speaking to you. I'm doing all of this miraculous things. 
And are you following me because it's beneficial to you? Or are you following me because you're my servant and you will do what I ask you to do? Because here's the deal. The covenant that I'm going to give you is given to servants who become sons and daughters. Hear what I'm saying? For us, for us, what is God asking for you today? What is he asking of you? Do you trust him enough to give up the addiction, the offense, the pride, the materialism, the success, the rebellion, the degrees? Do you, do you and, and here's the deal, it's not that you can't have some of these things that are more positive. <laughs> it's not that you can't have them. It's that God doesn't want them to have you. And here's another thing that I would like to suggest to you. God will never ask for what you cannot give. You may think that you cannot give that apology. You may think that you cannot forgive that mom or dad or whoever. But God will never ask you to give what you can't. In other words, God's not going to ask you to give $10 million when you have 10000 in the bank. He's not going to ask you to do that. But God will guess, always ask you to give more than you think you can. Because that's what stretches you. Here's the second thing. Every test we pass sets us up for something greater. Everybody say greater. For the last few months, we've done, we tried to do the best job we can at communicating the vision for our new property. And I believe that it is a space for uh, more space, more people, more ministry. All of that's going to happen. But I believe that this is a test for our church. And I believe the greater thing is going to happen as we begin to pass this test. Abraham had no idea of the importance of Isaac. Think about this. We know that the covenant went to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Y'all stay with me because I believe this is going to be profound and it's going to help you. Abraham was taking all of these steps just to leverage his son to be able to carry the mantle that God had given him. I want, I want to be super clear on this because sometimes I speak real fast and, and, and I assume people know what I'm talking about. So let me slow down. Just because you bring your kids to church does not mean they are getting transformed by church. Okay, hear me. I realize as a parent, there are a lot of things that Katie and I can do. But ultimately, there will be a moment that my kids will decide who they will serve. Okay, you hear me. So, what is the, what is the ratio of what we do versus what they choose? Because every person gets to choose. Okay, here's what the only thing that we can do. Is as Abraham, we can pass test, pass test, pass test. And each test is a deposit of something. It's an anchor in their soul. And they may run away from it when they're older. They may have a season. But here's the deal. These anchors that they saw mom and dad do will be convictions when they are in dark places. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? And there was a reason why Isaac grew. Sure, he had moments of craziness. But, but, but Isaac goes and... 
waits and submits under Laban to get Rachel for years. Come on, what's up, Rachel? Get years. And why was he able to do that? My parents had a baby at 190. There's, I, saw, I saw my mom and I heard stories of faithfulness. I heard stories of God. And I believe that if I stay, even though it's unfair, even though I've been overlooked, even though Laban, actually, he lied. He deceived me. But I see what God did. And if I'm under that covenant, God will do the same thing for me. It will just take time. And I'm in a test. And then Isaac produces Jacob when Jacob transitions his name to Israel. And now we have the 12 tribes. And out of that, here comes Jesus. So here's the deal. Jesus is over here. Abraham is here. What's over there for you if you will pass this test? What's over here? What greater thing that you don't even know about? What legacy when you're a grandfather or a grandmother? What legacy are you when you start this business? What happens over there that if you do right here and pass the test and pass the test and pass the test? Because I believe something greater is over here. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap. The third thing, and lastly, every test we pass helps us understand God on a whole different level. How do you know God? Well, I pray. Part of it. I read the Bible. Absolutely. Part of it. But part of you developing your relationship with God is being able to stand in the midst of the trial and see his goodness and pass the test and learn another thing about his faithfulness. Come on, hear what I'm saying. The best way I can describe it is for those people who go to nursing school or or a teacher. You can go to all of this school, but once you get on the field, It's totally different. And so I believe that this right here is the classroom. And out there, come on, listen, is the real life. And you've got to take this concept from here and move it out there. And you can't hear me just say God is good. You've got to learn God is good. And and, and how you learn it, listen. Is you surrender and pass tests because God reveals himself to those who pass tests. Come on. Abraham was ready to give up Isaac because, listen, because he knew God. The story isn't about Isaac. It's about Abraham. It's about what Abraham knew about God. And let me ask you something. What do you know about God? And if it's very little, then that's where you learn. Jump into life groups. Jump into freedom. But the truth of the matter is, our job is to meet the Father and learn about Him so that in a world of philosophy, we can, be, we can navigate right through it. Abraham knew the hand of God was with him. 
When he moved out of his father's house, he knew God was orchestrating his steps. When he fled into Egypt, even by doing something stupid, he knew the hand of God was over him. When he defeated the kings of the north, five kings, and Abram had never been in battle, and he won, he knew God was with him. And so the resume had been built, and he knew God at a different level. Come on. Abraham never doubted God because he had learned how to hear the voice of God. You've heard me say this a few times. When I passed by this Olive Street property a year ago, I was like, no way. And people in church would be like, hey, have you seen the church over there? I hadn't seen it. Nope, nope, I hadn't seen it. I just think that that would be a great church. No, it's not a great church. It's not a great church. It's an old rundown church. It's not a great church. Hey, what do you think about that property over there? I think nothing about the property over there. In fact, whenever that property comes up, I think nothing. And so I did this about six, seven months, okay? Six or seven months, which, by the way, the same thing happened in this location. The pastor was here. He calls me up and says, hey, man, I've been praying for you. I was in a moment. I've just been praying for you, and, and I really think that you're supposed to be in this church. And I was like, I bind that in the name of Jesus. I'm going to Frisco Station Mall, buddy. Stop trying to limit my faith. And he was like, no, I really feel like, I don't know why. I just, why don't you come over and look at it? And I was like, I don't think I will. He was like, really? And I was like, yeah, I don't want to. And he's like, why? He's like, because I'll probably do it. <laughs> and so I waited like three months. And he calls me again. We went to go eat. And he's like, hey, I think you ought to come check out. The okay, I'll find I'll do it. I came in. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is it. Dang it. Ah. And, so, and so I was passing that place one more time. There was a couple people out of, out of a service. And they said, hey, you know what? Have you thought about this place? About the 15th person. And I was like. I will go think about the place. And I drove by and I began to pray. And God said, look at the building. And I was like, huh, I see it. And I was like, um, you mean the, the pukey tan building? That screams revival. And uh, he was like, this is the mantle on your ministry. You take potential and you see it come alive. And I'm calling you to this area to revitalize this place because that's what the house does. And I was like, okay, you got me. I'm in. But here's what I'm telling you. Like, that was a conversation between me and God. And I'm going to be honest, the price tag on that conversation was $3.2 million. And you hearing me talk, your faith may not be at the place where you're ready for a $3.2 million conversation with God. But 
But I need to tell you about my road. Come on, hear what I'm saying? Like, just like Abraham passed the test and passed the test and passed the test. And he got to giving his only son. Come on, you don't just show up in that moment. And so I need you to know that when I was 18 years old, 19, in Waco, Texas, being stupid, just got arrested. Come on, for being dumb. My wife looks at me, my wife, not my wife, I'm sorry, my mom. My mom looks at me and says, you're, you're turning into an idiot. You need to leave. You need to leave right now. And I was like, I was assistant manager of a movie theater. Listen, I was, I, I was streaming movies before they, anybody else. I could, listen, I saw every movie for free. I had popcorn. There was a McDonald's and, and a, a Burger King, and I would barter with them for tickets. I had life made, y'all. I was like, I, there's nothing else in the world I want. I had hit the apex at 19. And my mom looks at me and says, you have to leave. I'm like, where am I going to go? She's like, there's this ministry up in Hot Springs. You need to go check it out. And I was like, I am not going. People from Texas do not go to Arkansas. I'm just being honest. Can I just, is this too much for y'all? I'm just being honest. And I, and I was like, I am not moving to Arkansas. And then, and, and, and so she's like, you're going to this interview because you're not going to be incarcerated. And I was like, oh. I didn't talk to her the whole way. It was an eight-hour trip. I was sat in the back, and I just, I remember halfway through, she was like, I'm going to go get lunch. Do you want lunch? I don't want to eat with you. I don't want any lunch. She was like, okay, shut the door. That was a terrible decision. We were still in Texas. It was in the summer, and she didn't leave the car on. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm on there going, oh, I really like some water. It's very hot. Sweat's pouring down, but I'm teaching her a lesson. Don't you ever take me somewhere I don't want to go? I get to this interview in Hot Springs, and they start talking to me, and I walk in. You're not going to win me. I, I sat down. Gave him that look. They, he asked me one question. I was like, <laughs> I started crying. I'm like telling him everything in my life. And, and, and I'm like, and you know what else? And you know what else? I was adopted. And then the guy's like, that's good. That's good. We can stop now. We can stop. I'm like, no, let's get going. This is great. I mean, I'm crying. And he says, okay, well, we'll let you know. And I was like, okay, I love y'all. <laughs> I'm like hugging everybody in the room. I go get in the car. And I, and I, and I, really, I, I hear the Lord say, you're, this is where you're going to be. And so I go back home, and I wasn't even accepted yet. And I was like, I'm moving to Arkansas. God's going to call on my life. And three or four months later, I moved. I remember when uh, I met Katie. I'd been up in Hot Springs for a while, and uh, I saw her walk in. I was running sound. Come on, what's up, sound man? I was running sound. She was sitting behind me with her mom. I was like, hey. hey. <laughs> the sound was good that day. 
And, uh, and so we started dating. We liked each other. We had a lot of s- same interests and background. But then here's the thing. I wasn't ready for marriage. And, and, I, and, and I had still a lot of freedom issues. And I, and I thought that I was going to get divorced. And, and I remember the pain and all of that. And so uh, we actually broke up for like six months. Because she was ready and she knew, but I didn't know. And I was like, I'm a, I'm a stallion. I can't be caged. I'm free. I remember the Lord talking to me and it was like, that's it. That's the one. I was like, okay, are you sure about it? Because I didn't want to break her heart. I didn't want to break my heart. I didn't want all that. And that test revealed what was in me. Then was kids. You know, I remember we were, we were two, two, three weeks away from getting married. And uh, all the stuff had been sent out. And we're having this conversation. And I'm like, you know, I was the kind of person that I wanted to talk about everything up front so that we could handle everything. And so I'm like, how many kids are we going to have? I'm thinking two. That means we're going to be a family of four. The world's made for four. Car, four. Hotel room, four. Roller coaster, four. I think we need to do four. And she was silent. And she goes, well, I was the third. And I just think that that would be really wrong if I didn't at least pray about having three or more. And I was like, well, I'm just, I'm the man of this house. And, uh... Let me just tell you, I don't know if I want to marry a woman that won't submit. And she said, uh, well, I don't know if I want to marry a man who won't listen to God. And I was like, it got so tense in the room. I put my hands in my pocket because I, there was a tension she was, she was like, so both of us are feisty, you know what I'm saying? And so she's looking at me, and I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, if she gives this ring back, I'm done. I'm, t- I'm walking out. Boom, I'm out. And so I put my hands in my pocket just so that it would be harder. <laughs> and, I, and she says, I think, I think we need to talk about this at a later time. And I was like, I think you're right. <laughs> and I go back to my house, and. I'm like, God, I don't even know what that was. I felt so stupid. It was dumb. But she wants to have more than two. And, and it was a test because here's the thing. Is, is There were two kids. Parents divorced. We lived on food stamps and WIC. And felt like there was never enough. And I just never wanted to raise a family that I couldn't. And see, this moment was a test that revealed something in me. And I had to take that to the cross. And after our first one, we had four. I'm like, let's have some more. (laughs) She's like, no. (laughs) I remember working at our ministry. And and God put it on my heart to start Be The One. And I had been there for 20 years. And I was like, man, this is where we need to be. And there were conversations about me taking over some executive administrative responsibilities and pastoring more in the church in Hot Springs. But there was also something started in me about be the one. And I remember having to walk up the stairs and talk to my pastor and say, here's what's burning in my heart. And he goes, you know what? I can see it. 
And, we, and he prayed over me. And here's the thing. Listen, listen, listen. Is I hadn't done any outreach up to that point. That was where the birthing of all outreach started for the house. Then I remember moving up here and, and, and God saying, like, this is the place. I remember when we signed a contract at Hudson for $6,500 a month and we only had three tithers and we were one of them. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. How you going to do that? And then I remember passing this property. Here's why I'm telling you all these stories. Is I didn't just show up here. There were a hundred stories along the way of tests I needed to pass. And if you believe there's a calling on your life to hear the extravagant parts and conversations with you and God, you've got to pass the little test, the little test, the little test. And that little test may be turn off the TV. The little test may be pick up a book. The little test may be apologize. The little test may be change your social interaction. The little test may be stop the pressure that, that, that you come under when you walk into a room of people come on because I need you to know that every test that you pass you will know God at a greater level Ben y'all come on up there is a huge difference between a test and a temptation our reaction to a temptation is to resist the Bible says run, respond with the word, and if you fail, repent. That's what the Bible says. But what is our response to a test? Our response to a test is to receive it, to rejoice in it, to rely on God and respond in love. Come on, hear what I'm saying. Don't reject your test. Receive it. God, you're doing something. This problem is working something out of me, and I want to receive it. I want to respond in joy. I want to rely on God, and I want to respond in love. Come on. Today, there are three major tests that I think that we all face. The first is, where is your life going to be found? The second is, who are you going to trust? And the third is, what is your hope for the future? And these are all tests that you have to pass. The first is this, the test of your life means that I give up my life. Come on. We talked about that this is a prophetic story. Isn't it awesome? Come on. We're talking about Isaac, the promised son, the miraculous miracle conception. He carries his own wood for the sacrifice. He is the sacrifice that opens up the covenant. It is a story of Jesus, and the Bible says that if you want to save your life, you're going to lose your life. But if you will give up your life, that is the first test that everybody has to pass. And that is, God, I come to the end of myself. Come on, those watching online, I come to the end of myself, and I give you my life. You are my God, my Lord, and my King, and I submit and surrender to you. And that is the first test that everybody has to pass.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.